When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lynn Maurice, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means. We down the quarterbacks for 2023 on this podcast. I think you'll find it very interesting because in doing the research, I found it very interesting and I learned things that I didn't know. Maybe it's just because I'm not smart, but I don't know that you listeners are digging into the quarterback situations in the Big Ten in 2023. So we're going to go through the expected quarterbacks in 2023 and how the winner of the Kyle McCord-Devin Brown quarterback battle at Ohio State should fit into that. We will go through then, which is similar but not the same, obviously, Ohio State's 2023 schedule and how many games could it be possible where the best quarterback on the field is not playing for Ohio State. And then we have a little other context on sort of quarterbacks Ohio State's faced and Big Ten quarterbacks and that kind of thing. But Nathan, we're going to start off with some news that has been popping on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon as we record this Wednesday afternoon. Luke Whipler headed to the NFL, Matt Jones staying for year six at Ohio State, and those announcements are connected because we assume that Matthew Jones is the new center for the Ohio State Buckeyes, he certainly, I think, if something would have gone, if, if Luke Whipler had been abducted by aliens in 2022, probably Matt Jones would have been the guy who wound up starting for Ohio State there. So is that our assumption right now that they lost the starting center, but they know who their starting center is going to be, and it's going to be a sixth-year guy? Well, I don't know if we should say it's, it's like set in stone now, but it certainly gives them more options with Matt Jones coming back. If he doesn't come back, now you're replacing four spots on the offensive line. I think Donovan Jackson is locked in at guard at that point. So now you're having to come up with a, a, a new center and both and a new right guard and both tackles. And now with Matt Jones coming back, you at least have the option. If Jacob James, or I guess someone else, were to prove that they were the best center option and that you were allowed to keep Matt Jones at right guard where he played well last year, and that makes the offensive line better, you have that option. If moving Matt Jones over one spot because he does have real experience playing center, I think he only played it once in a game that I could find, but he is certainly, as you said, has practiced there, has repped there, has been the next in line there on multiple occasions. 
then now you get to uh, where you maybe do have a little bit more natural depth at guard. Now you have a real competition there between a, f- a few guys who can fill that spot. So the, the ripple effects of Whipler declaring for the NFL draft, it wasn't shocking, but was still a little bit surprising. Um, the ripple effects of that were somewhat neutralized by Matt Jones coming back because again, it just, it gives you an option to fill in multiple places. You know, now that you will have a returning starter at at least two spots and you can decide what that second spot is next to Jackson, depending on what else develops along those, that, that group. Center really matters. And they have a history at Ohio state of moving veteran guys to center. So yeah. I'll be shocked Stephen, if Matthew Jones is not the center next year, because we have to make just because a guy was a second teamer this year, like Jacob James is the second team guy. What would make us believe that like, oh, he's going to be the starter next year. They have they do have a couple spots still where it's like, oh, the backup is like a guy who not that recruiting rankings or anything. but It's it's not a guy who came here with like, oh, what did you say? I said all the spots are like that. What did you say, Nathan? I said all the spots are like that. It, it, but, it's, but it's especially yeah, I mean, true on the interior, though, where it's like... Well, I mean, that's throughout the team. Throughout the team. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. on the interior especially, just because you're a second-team center as a true freshman doesn't mean you're next in line and be the starting center. I mean, no. we saw it with Harry Miller, who was the second-team center in 2019, and they moved him to left guard. It's on the interior where it's kind of interchangeable like that. You can move guys around a little bit more often. But, but it's, also, it's interchangeable, we, but center's the most important one. They're going to put right. the veteran so you, at center. Matthew yeah. Jones is the center next year. I'll, and yeah. I'll be wrong when I'm wrong, but he's the center. Like, he's the center. Right. And, and you work around that. And because you've got to find that first. And then you fill in at guard. So you were what with Whipler, Nathan? Like, you thought this was a real possibility of like, yeah, no, yeah, Whipler going pro. He's a good player. I so so when you saw the news come out Tuesday night, you're, you initially like thought what? Again, like I said, it, I, I thought there was a chance that this could happen. I wasn't blown away by it. It's a guy who started there two years, had a good season there this past year. Um, also, you know, played through an injury at times this year. I also wonder if the, the, the Jalen Carter performance – and how well he and that whole offensive interior did, but but he held his own against somebody that good. I mean, that's just like one more piece of of tape and evidence that you get to put out there for the NFL. So to, for him to to say that now is the time to go didn't didn't shock me. Stephen, what do you think? Were you su- was surprised or well, he's a good player. He's going. Um, I was pretty surprised to be honest with you. I understand he's a two year star. I don't. He's not the biggest center in the world. And I don't know what uh, – his draft grade must have been a lot better than maybe even he was expecting it to be because I, I thought maybe he could use another year because he wasn't – he's not blowing me away as an NFL prospect yet, but I guess whatever his draft grade was says differently. So, yeah, I was pretty shocked at that one. Well, he's not going to grow. So I, I yeah. do think – like I, I'm not disagreeing. Um, I mean, you just look – for instance, Josh Myers – who was Ohio State's last center to go pro is four inches listed as four inches taller than Luke Whipler mm. and is like 15 pounds heavier. But Luke Whipler, you know, he's like, Luke, why are you coming back for year four? Well, I'm going to come back. I'm going to grow three inches. I'm going to get on the rack every day. I'm going to get stretched out. I'm going to, you know, do whatever I have to do. I'm going to do leg lengthening exercises. I'm going to talk to Marvin Harrison about what you do to have a long torso. We're going to really get in there and lengthen my, tr- what are you going to do? 
So he's a good player. And I, I do think the idea of, I think I, I, I was thinking the same thing, Nathan, about like what just happened. I don't know. I just played pretty darn well in my last college game against a guy who people are seriously talking about as potentially the number one pick in the draft. You know, I didn't get, I didn't get destroyed by that guy. I held my own on occasion. And guess what? He's bigger than 6'2", 285, and I did okay. So I, 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 I think probably that does factor into that. If he had gone out there and gotten tossed around by Jalen Carter all game, not that one game makes your career, not that one game makes your resume, Nathan, but maybe the juice isn't quite there. But we all think he played pretty well in that game. and that uh, He's not making a mistake, but this hurts Ohio State. And I would say I was moderately surprised. So this is not at all like, hey, Luke Whipler, what are you doing? Like, Luke Whipler is a really good player, and maybe he's maximized what he can be. And not that this factors in. Everybody makes their own decision. But he and CJ are very linked. And I was sort of thinking like, wow, it's going to be really good for them, for the new the new young quarterback to have Luke Whipler like, there with him the whole time. And now it's going to be like, okay, well, everyone's going to be new. But it's like, hey. That's my guy. CJ's going. Whipler's going too. And I do think, Nathan, when you look at what Corey Lindsley and Josh Myers have done in the NFL, yes, yeah. we just said Josh Myers is four, four inches taller and 15 pounds heavier. But I don't think – I think Luke Whipler fits in that legacy a little bit. Now, also, Pat Elfline and Billy Price, who were two veteran guys who slid to center after playing at guard, did not work out to, to the same extent as in the NFL as expected. Um, I really thought Billy Price was going to be great, and he turned out not to be great. And then Pat Alfline is still like a, is a player in the NFL. He was like a, what, a third or fourth round pick, but he's a, you know he didn't stick with his original team. That, he's bounced around a little bit. But anyway, I understand why Luke Whipler's doing it, but I think it's moderately a big deal, Nathan. I think Matthew Jones staying certainly eases it, but I think this is not that Ryan Day is crying into his soup, in his office over this, but I think there was probably Justin Fry and Ryan Day play went, <sighs> okay, well, we got to figure it out, but this one hurts a little bit. It does, but it's the other significant part of Matt Jones coming back. If he does end up at center, uh, because now you don't, it's, it's one less variable. If he becomes a center, now you have someone who's trusted there, a veteran there, has some experience there, and that helps ease the transition for this first-year starter that you're installing. Not that Con McCord is a spring chicken at this point. I mean, he's a veteran too, but it, you know what I'm saying? And, and or if assuming he wins this job, like that, it's still one less thing to you get to ease that a little bit. Um, it, one less concern, I think, that you have on your plate. So as much as as losing Whipler hurts. That's another way that, that Jones coming back mitigates that a little bit. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like now you've got to fill three spots on the offensive line when a lot of us maybe thought they were only have to fill two of them. Yeah, but at least they're not filling four. So, oh yeah. my gosh. If it had been like Whipler's gone and then Matthew Jones is like, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, so the tackle, nothing really changes with tackle. I would think, honestly, if Josh Fryer, for whatever reason, does not wind up as a starting tackle, I would make him the leading candidate to start at right guard. Mm -hmm. But I am also assuming that at the moment he is the bet he is the number one tackle on this roster right now, until they do something in the portal, and or until they officially announce until they do something else. 
right now, my big board of Ohio State tackles has Josh Fryer number one. So I don't think he works in, in at guard. I guess it's Enoch Vamahi, Nathan. But and then this would that would continue the line of hey, like fourth and fifth year offensive lineman who didn't really do much earlier in their career and then come in and start at the end. We know what that 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 happens all the time, Nathan. So if that happens at right guard, it kind of happened with Matt Jones in year right. five, and it just so happened that he's going to come back for year six. So if Enoch Vamaki can be a version of Matt Jones, but I think I do have some questions about whether then whether Enoch Vamaki is can be that because Matt Jones was a guy who battled for a starting job twice in camp, didn't win it, then did win it, was the sixth guy last year and was very good. And I don't think what what Enoch has shown so far is not what Matt Jones showed before he became a starter. His He's a little lighter there, and I still have that play in my head from the Michigan game where he got knocked backwards, and it was like, okay, that's not going to work. And then they put Josh Fryer in when Matt Jones couldn't go. So I certainly do have some questions there because if you take Fryer out of the mix and I'm a little iffy on Bamaki and, and go go prove you're the guy, I guess Tegra Shibola, I mean, maybe that's what you expect of a top 150 national recruit, like let's go, it's your time, go win that job. But there's certainly questions at right guard at the moment too, right? 100%. And uh, I think maybe someone like Ben Chrisman could be in the mix uh, along those lines somewhere. Um, so they have, they're caught in between a little bit between, like you're saying, like veterans who, um, if they prove it this year, it would be sort of the first time they've proved it or some young guys who they may still see some upside in, but if they're only second year players or in, in some cases, third year players, like, are, are they there yet? And I think it's a huge off season for a bunch of guys. Like what, what can you show? What have you, what did you show during bowl season? What can you show this spring? that gives this coaching staff some more confidence than what they probably have right now. It doesn't look like anything is, is brewing in the portal anymore. Like Ohio state has missed out on some guys there. They were heavily involved with Jarrett Kingston. The guy from Washington state came for a visit last week. Uh, so they put their best foot forward on him, but he's a California native and he picked USC. That's not a, a stunning move, nor does it seem like some big, failure on Ohio State's part to land a guy like that. You know, it, the opportunities, as we talked about, some of the other guys who were available in the portal, I don't really know that they were considerably better than some of the internal options Ohio State had. And are guys going to come here and be potentially part of the depth and maybe win a job? Or are they going to go somewhere where someone's assuring them a job? Like those things come into play. So I think this, unless something shakes loose late here in the portal, um, and that'll be an option again in the spring, but it, they may have to just start really doubling down on these internal options and hoping that some of these developmental guys speed up and get there by this spring, get there by, by the summer. Ben Christian is an interesting name. I mean, that's a top 130 recruit in year three. He's 6'6", 310. I mean, he's the size of a tackle, at least. That's a guy who probably should be – we're talking about Tegra Shibola making a jump as a year two guy. This is a year three guy who probably should be making a jump at this point. Yeah, no, the, the, so the, there's – the three offensive linemen who were recruited in the class of 21 who will be entering year three next season are Donovan Jackson, who's mm-hmm. going to be like the most veteran, like the stablest yeah. part of that offensive line, and then mm-hmm. Ben Christman and Zen Mahalski. So like that's – those are the only three they had in that class, and, and this is a huge opportunity for Ben Christman and Zed Mahalski. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Christman's your right guard and Mahalski's your right tackle, or your left tackle, and away you go. And then 
the guys who will be in their second year, right? Tegra Shabola, George Fitzpatrick, Carson Hinsman, um, and Avery mm-hmm. Henry, right, Stephen? So yeah, well, you Henry, know, there's, Henry's got you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Avery Henry now. is is dealing with a cancer diagnosis, and yep. all the best, to Avery Henry. My apologies for that. I, I that had slipped my mind, but that obviously is what was what he's facing right now. So from a football standpoint, it's Fitzpatrick, Hinsman, and um, Shibola. And it's not, right? I mean, if this was Paris Johnson, Stephen, to be like, oh, year two guy, like, let's go. Go win that job. Is Tegra Shibola the, the most likely candidate in your mind, Stephen, of like who can jump up and there's a, there's a boatload of opportunity. Donovan Jackson is starting, and there are five other second or third year guys that we're kind of like, okay, like we don't mm-hmm. know. There's not a huge expectation of, oh, they're definitely going to win a job, but there certainly is opportunity, Stephen. So who are your eyes on the most? Yeah, Christian, as I mentioned, but Chabot is interesting just because he's not a five-star, but he does continue that trend of these these guys, who these offensive linemen that Ohio State gets in here. They don't early enroll. They show up in June, but somehow they end up in the two deep. And and then by year two, there's there are starters, and that's what that's what Shabola seems to be on. He was a second string left guard, I believe, this past season, and now there's opportunity here. Now that he is going to have a full off season with Ohio State, how does his body transform for a guy who already showed up here three fifty plus, and he's six foot five? Does that guy claim a job this year? I think he's I, I, Christmas interesting because it's a borderline top one hundred recruit who's in year three, and it's kind of like yo, it's, it's time to do something here. But Shabola maybe was setting himself up to be in this position anyway because of when he showed up in June and still found his way into too deep. So I, I, I think he is the most interesting one of those young guys just because of what he's already done. And it's hard, Nathan. Sometimes we're always on the lookout for tidbits, guys that coaches mention for no reason. So when you think about some other second-year guys, it's like, okay, who are the highest-ranked guys in, in Ohio State's um, 2022 Recruiting class, we're all we're all counting on C.J. Hicks and Sonny Styles to do something, and Devin Brown is going to be right in the mix at quarterback, and they're the three highest ranked guys. And then it's like, okay, who else did they? You know, Caden Curry popped a little bit. He's the number one twenty three overall recruit in that class. Shabola's one hundred four. So, you know, there's not a lot of guys that you know. Dallin Hayden played. My God, Dallin Hayden was like, hey, can you like carry the load at, at running back? But there's not a lot of other true freshman who did a ton this year. So Shabala being in the two deep mattered and maybe that's it. Maybe that's, but you know, I, I didn't hear anybody like in bowl practice be like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not a knock on anybody. But if somebody had said that, Oh, Tegra Shabola looks like he's ready to go. We'd, we'd put him in the game right now and feel confident. We didn't hear that. Yeah, it doesn't I- mean it didn't happen, but we didn't hear that. Just for the sake, because I wasn't there, obviously I was sick, just for full transparency. On Thursday, did it feel like, just because they were playing in a playoff game, that there was a lot of buzz around the younger guys, other than Sonny, just because he ended up having that package? Did it feel like there were, was any buzz around anybody? You mean at Media Day for interviews? Yeah. Well, I mean, we create the buzz. So, I yeah. mean, it's like, did we go, we talked, to, we, we made sure we talked, talked to Sonny this. Styles and CJ Hicks. Right. Okay. We did not, and and Nathan talked to the quarterbacks. We did not make sure that we talked to Tegra Shabola or, you know, Ben Chrisman or George Fitzpatrick. No one made mm-hmm. a beeline for George Fitzpatrick. So that's on us. It doesn't mean that George Fitzpatrick or Tegra Shabola wasn't balling out. 
in bowl practice. But anyway, it's just, there's not a Paris Johnson sitting there. There's not a Harry Miller sitting there. There's not a guy that like Nathan that, hey, all right, well, this, oh, this guy in year two, well, that's part of the plan. We talk about everybody's plan. But any third year guy, I think, I think like to be in a competition to start in year three, that's it, everybody's plan. I don't know that there's ever a guy who comes to Ohio State and like, if you really said, what's really the plan? The plan's like, compete to start in year five. Like that doesn't exist. So maybe year two can be early for some guys. So maybe, you know, is it early for Shibola or guys like that in year two? Maybe. But the year three guys, Ben Crispin, you, that's on track for everybody. So so maybe someone's going to rise up and be like, I got this. Don't worry. It feels like a l- not dicey, but three guys to replace, you know, three new starters on the offensive line that they need. Okay. And maybe someone will just settle that right down in the spring. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and I'm sure that the offensive linemen are going to have their, uh, nobody believes in us or believed in us stuff prepared for if this goes right. But that's the, that's the problem, right? It's not that a developmental guy can't come here and work out and be a starter someday. We've seen that before. I mean, Dewan Jones, he's a very special case, but that's obviously one that worked out. Um, Brandon Bowen before him, I think is an example of, of how that worked out. Not a super highly ranked guy and, and made the most of it in the long term. But when you are maybe asking three of them to work out at one time, or even just two, I think that's asking a lot. And it, it, it may work out, but it's just why people are anxious right now. Um, and especially if, it, if it's both tackles. Because even someone like Josh Fryer, who played well last year, came back from injury, looked pretty solid at times. He was not recruited as someone with a ceiling of these other guys that you're talking about. The the guys who were five stars, top 100s, those sorts of players. So th- that he still has something to prove. Um, Zen Mahalski certainly has something to prove. Like Those guys are going to come in with maybe a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and maybe that helps them. But Ohio State could be, as it's per- projecting right now, asking a lot uh, and asking for multiple guys who fit that sort of in-state or regional developmental blueprint to not just be depth, but be the starting offensive line on a team that's otherwise loaded. When you look at Ohio State's 2021 recruiting class, which was excellent, number two class in the country, the fifth highest ranked guy in that class was Donovan Jackson. He was the number 19 overall recruit in that class, a five-star, and now he's already started. He started in year two. And then the next highest guy on the offensive line in that class is the 15th overall guy in the class, which is Ben Chrisman. He's 124. Again, that's not we're, – we're, again, it's one of those things, context. We're like, oh, what are they going to do? And it's like, I don't know. Ben Chrisman was a top 150 national recruit. Tegra Strabola was a top 150 national recruit. One's a third-year guy. One's a second-year guy. I don't know. Start them. It's like, oh, no, okay, that's fine. But, you know, again, it's just, you look at some other places. If there was a C.J. Hicks, if C.J. Hicks or Sonny Styles played offensive line, it'd be like, oh, yeah, got it. So that's all. And sometimes it's harder for offensive linemen to be rated as high as those guys, too, as overall national crew. So, you know, I don't think it's panic mode at all. I just, in the end, was a little surprised that, that Whipler went pro, but best of luck to him. And he... You know, you you look at draft analysts. I think there's like a somewhere between like a second and fourth round projection on him. People who crunch the tape like what he does. You know, we certainly end up talking a lot with him, just like with CJ, about the mental part of the game. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, but physically, he showed you just both CJ and Luke, Stephen, I think against Georgia. 
They're brain-first football players, but they both showed you something physically in the Georgia game, too, of like a reminder. It's like, hey, no, I mean, we're athletes, too. We're not just computer processors. Yeah, I will agree with that. Maybe the Georgia game is what pushed him out the door. And then there was a couple of guys in this team. We've talked, like, you kind of brought it up a little bit, the minds element of this. Someone's going to get him on the board, and it's going to raise his draft stock, maybe another 45 or so picks, just because he is so smart. So that probably helps. It's like, hey, I showed the physical part, even if, you know, I'm not the biggest in stature guy because I just went up against a potential number one pick. And now when I get a chance to sit down with a lot of these teams, they're probably going to be blown away by what I actually have to say. And Luke Lippler's got a little dog in him, man. I mean, this is not, this is, he's not like, he's not like an egghead. Like he's like, he'll, he'll, he'll take you on too. So best of luck to Luke Whippler, like a really interesting career at Ohio state. You come in borderline top 100 national recruit, you know, kind of learn the way as a freshman. Then all of a sudden with the Harry Miller situation, you're sort of an unexpected starter in year two and you play well, then you're a starter for a team that makes a playoff in year three, and then you're gone. It's almost if we had had like a little more buildup, I think, to his starting, he he can almost slip under the radar a little bit for as fundamental as he's been. It's like he and C.J. Stroud are a package deal, but we saw C.J. coming. We didn't see Luke Whipler coming quite the same way just because of what you maybe thought Harry Miller's career was going to be like. And then he turned out to be a really good player. All right. Time to talk quarterbacks in the Big Ten and at Ohio State. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. All right, I'm not going to make you guys wait because I tease this as I am very was very surprised by this revelation. And here's what it is. There's it's very possible, assuming that these guys are the starting quarterbacks for the teams they're going to be on next year, that on Ohio State's schedule next year, they will face 3 of the top 11 passers in the nation from this season in terms of passing yards per game on their schedule next season. And that is because the number two passer in yards per game this year was Austin Reed at Western Kentucky, which is a chuck it around place. And they're playing Western Kentucky next year. They had an offensive coordinator named Ben Arbuckle, who's like 27, who was like the hot name this offseason. He he called plays. He was the quarter. So Bailey Zappi was the quarterback at Western Kentucky two years ago after transferring from a lower level school at Houston Baptist. Goes there, chucks it around, gets drafted in the third round. I thought the Browns maybe should draft him in mid, mid rounds before they got to Sean Watson. Goes to New England, winds up starting a couple games in New England this year. Crazy rise of Bailey Zappi. So this Austin Reed guy is another lower level guy who transfers to Western Kentucky. This Ben Arbuckle guy was like the quarterback's coach for Bailey Zappi. He became the play caller this year. This super hot name, he leaves. He left already and is now going to be the offensive coordinator at Washington State. So it's one of these things. He's rising up very quickly. I don't know who's going to call plays for them, but they have a thing they do at Western Kentucky. And this Austin Reed guy threw for 339 yards per game this past season, second in the nation. And he thought about transferring, and then he got like a real estate NIL deal and stayed. So they maybe thought, I think there were reports that maybe people thought he was going to transfer to Louisville with Jeff Brom going there. So this is a guy who would be capable of being a power five starting quarterback next year, but he's going to stay at Western Kentucky at Chuck Chuck It Around University, and he's going to face Ohio State in the non-conference schedule. That's one. Number seven, 
quarterback in passing yards per game this past season, Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, who is going to Notre Dame. And it's going to be the starter at Notre Dame. So that's a, obviously a higher level. There were a lot of really good quarterbacks in the ACC this year. He's legit. He's like, he's a very good quarterback and he's transferring to Notre Dame. And then number 11 is a guy who's been a starter at SMU the past two years, who was maybe going to go to the NFL draft, but is taking his sixth year at Wisconsin. Luke Fickle and um, I can't think of the guy's name. Phil Longo, I think of his name, is the offensive coordinator that Luke Fickle hired that is a chuck it around kind of offensive guru, like a big hire for Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. They have three different transfer quarterbacks who are going to Wisconsin to compete, but Tanner Mordecai is almost certainly going to win that job. He threw for 294 yards this season. All of them threw for more yards per game than C.J. Stroud did, and then and Bryce Young, and Stetson Bennett. Right now, Nathan, passing yards per game is not the end-all, be-all evaluation of quarterbacks, but these are three veteran quarterbacks who have played a lot of college football, who have thrown a lot of passes, and are capable. They're not only stat monsters. Now, are they going to be first-team all-B-10 quarterbacks? I, I, I don't know. Sam Hartman's really good. But those are kind of three dudes, Nathan, and I didn't know that. Before I started looking up, I, I was like, oh, who are the quarterbacks that Ohio State's going to play next year? Because that's the exercise we want to do. Compared to the quarterbacks Ohio State plays in many years, that's a pretty good start, isn't it? In terms of the quality of quarterback play that Ohio State's going to have to deal with. Well, absolutely. It's a good start because it doesn't even include someone like J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. It doesn't even include someone like Drew Allar at Penn State. But yeah, I mean, and even when you start to factor in the next tier of performance, right? So Sam Hartman was 15th nationally in QB rating. So like if he was NFL ready, if he was going to be a high NFL draft pick, I think he would have gone. It tells you something that he's back at Notre Dame, but I don't think that means that I know it means you can't dismiss this guy. Like this guy knows what he's doing with a football in his hands and is going to be uh, as good of a regular season quarterback challenge as Ohio State's faced in a minute. And then when you go down to like Mordecai, I think is 24th nationally in QB rating and, and uh, uh, Reed was something like 33rd, uh, lower yards per attempt for guys like that. But, you know, the the ratios are there. I mean, these guys, uh, we've been seeing this coming just in terms of the, and and Ohio State is somewhat responsible for it, right? They've prioritized quarterback to an extent that the rest of the Big Ten had to answer it. And you've started to see that. Now, Western Kentucky obviously isn't in in the Big Ten, but, and neither is Notre Dame. But that's what makes this tough. Like when the new, when, it happens to be a year that you fall into some of these challenges from a quarterback standpoint. And the Big Ten is also getting tougher and finding more productive quarterbacks and coaches who know how to use them, then it, it's going to stress your defense. And I think right now this defense that's coming off of, you know, reason for optimism, but also reason for dissatisfaction with how this past season went and the way it ended. Uh, this is maybe the face of the challenge a little bit. Like it's not going to get any easier next year. Like This, this defense is going to have to get better again next year as good as his offense is going to be, but the defense is still going to have to get better again because I think the challenge is going to be tougher up and down this this uh, schedule. So Sam Hartman is, I, that was a thing, Stephen, when it popped. Like, hey, Sam Hartman's going to transfer. He's thinking about Notre Dame. Yeah, it's definitely going to be Notre Dame. So when Ohio State faced Notre Dame to open this season and Tyler Buckner was a starting quarterback, it was like, okay, Tyler Buckner, that's a pretty highly recruited guy. He was making his first career start. Ohio State has the talent edge and the experience edge at quarterback in this game. But a year from now, it's going to be Tyler Buckner versus 
the new starting quarterback for Ohio State. And as people know, the Notre Dame game next year is not the opener. It's game four for Ohio State. But it's still going to be that, that Notre Dame quarterback is going to have much more experience. Well, then Tyler Buckner gets hurt. They go to Drew Pine. And then Drew Pine plays. And then Drew Pine transfers. And then it's like, oh, Sam Hartman's coming here. It's like nothing that we thought mattered. This is probably the new world of like the minute you say like, oh, wait till next year. It's like, no, that's not what next year is going to be. Ten different things are going to happen with the portal between now and next year. Sam Hartman, Stephen, I don't want to overdo it. And I didn't do this research. I don't know if it's like back to Russell Wilson. I'm trying to think of, and we will, we have a whole offseason to do this research. The last time that Ohio State faced a guy in the regular season with like this level of quarterback so, experience well, and competence. Yeah, Cause it's like, well, you get in the place like, well, they played Trevor Lawrence, they played Mac Jones, right? But that's, this is like regular season. When's the guy, when's the last time they played a guy with the talent and experience of Sam Hartman? It doesn't happen all that often. Not, well, I mean, Penn State's had some multi-year starters, but not even, I don't know if you would portray some McSorley on the same level as Hartman. So maybe, as a passer, Hartman, it might be Russell Wilson. Yeah. Just strictly we'll with what he can do with his arm, it probably is Russell Wilson. Unless – how many years did Connor Cook start? Multiple years. I mean, Connor Cook we'll, – we'll get to Connor Cook in a second. So yeah. Connor Cook's kind of a weird case. Um, I mean, in 2015, <laughs> like Connor Cook was Michigan State's quarterback, and then he was hurt for the game. Right. And then they beat – they beat Ohio State without Connor Cook. So, right. but Connor Cook was important for the 2013 win when Michigan State beat Ohio State. So it's not typical. So we'll get back to the schedule in a second, but let's go, let's make a point that I want to make first, which is, and then we'll go through Big Ten guys. I do think, Nathan, sometimes I don't know if it's the level of quarterback or it's the way the Big Ten teams use them because there are two. There were two guys in college football this year who started their careers as Big Ten quarterbacks, but you didn't really realize what they were until they left. And one is Michael Penix, who was good at Indiana, but then went to Washington and chucked it around like a maniac and led the nation in passing yards per game, was sort of a late-season Heisman candidate. I think people in the Pac-12 think maybe he should have been more of a Heisman candidate than he was. And then it was a big deal that he decided he's staying at Washington for 2023. They chuck it around. But he has some skills. He gets a little loose sometimes, but like he can make some big time throws. And he was good at Indiana the year that Indiana was good in the pandemic in 2020, but he's even better at Washington. So that's one which like, all right, well, I don't know if that version of Michael Penix had been an Ohio State schedule. We would have been like, man, that guy's really good. And then the other is Will Levis, who was a backup running wildcat quarterback at Penn State. Penn State had no idea what they had. They used him as a wrinkle behind Sean Clifford. He goes to Kentucky. He's going to be like a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And and people think he's like Josh Allen Jr. And if you had Josh Allen Jr. in the Big Ten for the last two years, you'd be like, oh, man, the Big Ten. How about that? So I wonder sometimes, Nathan, is it that don't – do they not get good enough quarterbacks or are there just too many places where the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the style of play – the skill guys around them, they don't know what to do even when they have a decent guy. It's a great question. <laughs> I don't have the answer for it either. But we've obviously observed it now for several years. I don't know if it is is partially influenced by the weather. I don't know if it's partially influenced by, as we've discussed, some of the defenses in the Big Ten are legitimately strong. You know, P- Penix is, is an interesting example just because you saw flashes of it 
And he is a bit of a volume shooter, to use a basketball analogy, but uh, he, he, st- he scores the points regardless. So, um, and, and Levis, to, to, to some extent, maybe not quite the same thing, but but, but both, I, I think, are – Penix especially, if he's someone that I look at and I'm like, man, that seems like someone who would drive Ryan Day a little bit nuts if he was his quarterback, although Ryan Day might be able to make him better. But he will also drive Jim Knowles nuts as a guy you're trying to defend. So those kind of guys, like they're, that's the thing that pops up on Ohio State schedule every once in a while. And again, like I said, it's, it's why they've got to shore up this secondary. It's why they've got to maybe figure some things out as far as a consistent pass rush and how those things go hand in hand because it just, the, the threats are coming. Like it, It's going to be more of that this year than uh, this coming year than they've seen before. We thought this last year schedule was going to challenge them a little bit more, and it was sort of maybe that was more like vague notions of how good those teams, those programs were supposed to be. I think it's interesting that we can like very specifically pinpoint the player because that's how Ohio State has lost in the past in the regular season. It's like the player, the NFL ready player, sometimes in tandem with the offensive coordinator knows what he's doing. But like those kind of guys are who can who can trip Ohio State up. And there's a handful of them. So I looked, this is the ongoing thing we always talk about is the the quarterback. Does the does the Big Ten have NFL style quarterbacks? So just as a point of reference, just to throw it in the discussion, I looked at all the quarterbacks who started the game in the NFL this year. These are the guys that came through the Big Ten. This is a Tim Brafey. No, Tom Brady. He went to Michigan. Kirk Cousins, Michigan State, who, again, if you had told me like Kirk Cousins is going to be a multi-million dollar a year franchise quarterback, I, I would point you to the Michigan State, Ohio State game in Ohio Stadium in 2011, the Joe Bozerman, uh kirk Cousins showdown. I think it was 10-7. And it's like a guy here in this game is going to make $40 million a year in the NFL. I would have been like, you are drunk. So again, that's one of those where I think the Big Ten, maybe lack of skill players, lack of offensive imagination, good defenses, hid, to me at least, hid how good Kirk Cousins was. And he was a fourth-round pick. He wasn't like he was a free agent, but he certainly wasn't a first-round pick, and he's now he's Kirk Cousins. Joe Burrow, right? Kind of a little bit. Russell Wilson. So I think Joe Burrow and Russell Wilson combined makes one because one guy was here and left. The other guy was somewhere else and came here. Uh, Justin Fields. And those are the those are the five guys with any Big Ten ties who were full-time starters. So five of 32. Not terrible. Better than it used to be. And none of these are other guys who were around. David Blau, again, I certainly didn't know it. It wasn't just the emotion of Tyler Trent, and it wasn't just Rondale Moore being electric, and it wasn't just that Ohio State couldn't tackle in the 2018 loss to Purdue. It was also, by the way, that Purdue was quarterbacked by an NFL quarterback. Not a starting NFL quarterback, but he has started. And he's like a he's like kind of between a two and a three, but I think he's a closer closer to a two. He's he played two games this year. So I mean he and he played before in Detroit. So anyway, crazy. Trace McSorley, everybody got hurt in Arizona. So Trace McSorley started the game there. Trace McSorley is not really an NFL quarterback. He's sort of like a a little bit of everything. He's like a third-string quarterback who you maybe can play at H-back if you need to. Uh, Trevor Simeon from Northwestern, who still somehow is bouncing around. I don't even know who. I think he played for the Bears. He started a game for the Bears this year. And then Brian Hoyer, who's 40 years old and still is from Cleveland. 
And he started one game for the Patriots this year. So he's obviously came through Michigan State. And then C.J. Beathard, by the way, is still around. It's like a backup. He didn't start this year, but he's a real NFL backup. Played at Iowa. I would not have thought that C.J. Beathard is going to have a, like a 10-year career in the NFL in any way. So the point is, like, it's okay, right? But it's not exactly – it's not a hotbed of NFL quarterbacks. Like David Blau's surprises you a little bit. So I just wanted to lay that foundation before we start talking about – these are the expected starting quarterbacks in the Big Ten next year. And I will tell you that there are one, two, three, four, five, five teams all in the West that are going to start guys next year, probably, or maybe that they got in the portal just now. So I do think, Stephen, when this portal – like. You look at the portal, and I say, like, like you got to go get these guys. Like, why is Devin Leary not in the Big Ten? Like, this is – the Big Ten has to do this. So they did an okay job. You know, I think, like, the idea that Notre Dame get, got Sam Hartman, it's like, I don't know, Michigan State should get Sam Hartman, right? But that that's hard. That's hard to compete at that level. They didn't get all the best guys. But I do think, Nate, Stephen, for everybody, because it, it feels like the Big Ten is not great at recruiting high school quarterbacks still. Outside of Ohio State and good job, Penn State and Michigan with Drew Aller and J.J. McCarthy. But I do think, Stephen, a lot of the mid-tier teams in the Big Ten need to live in the portal when it comes to getting quarterbacks. Do you agree with that? Yeah, we've had this discussion. I think we like, we singled it in on Northwestern and the idea of, why don't they just go get a transfer quarterback every other year? Maybe they can pluck one of these Ohio State guys who don't win the job. But unless you're Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan or Penn State, and now USC and UCLA when they get here, of course. But unless you are one of the you know tier one teams in the Big Ten, you're probably not recruiting a high-level quarterback. But there's always going to be quarterback movement at this point. So this is this should be the norm now. I think if you're in the Iowa, Purdue, you know, Wisconsin range of I don't which is a crazy it's a big range, obviously. But if you're in that range, this is how you should find your quarterback every year. So let's go through the expected quarterbacks in the Big Ten. And and sort of our goal here is to figure out, is it possible that next season the best quarterback in the Big Ten won't be playing for Ohio State? This is, again, is an Ohio State podcast. I think you guys realize that. So I will say, again, let's lay more groundwork here, Nathan. First team all Big Ten quarterback, 2022 and 2021, C.J. Stroud. 2020 and 2019, Justin Fields. 2018, Dwayne Haskins. 2017 and 2016, JT Barrett. The last time the first team All-Big Ten quarterback didn't come from Ohio State was 2015, when the problem was they probably did have the two best quarterbacks, but they couldn't figure out which one to play, so neither of them made anything. Ugh. The incompetence of the quarterback situation in 2015 will never grow old. So Connor Cook was the first team All-Big Ten quarterback in 2015. 2014, it was JT Barrett. 2013, it was Braxton Miller. So the last time, because again, I mean, we know the JT Cardale deal. It didn't happen, but we kind of know the deal there. It's been a decade, Nathan. It's been a decade since it was in Ohio State, and it was Taylor Martinez in 2012. So Braxton was the second team guy back then. Okay. So, um, and then in 2011, it was Russell Wilson. So like last like like last time like Ohio State didn't have anybody and I was surprised Terrell Pryor like never they didn't used to do third team so Terrell Pryor was never first team or second team all Big Ten maybe they just didn't like him 
Dan Persa in 2010 was the first team <laughs> all Big Ten quarterback. It was Dan Persa from Northwestern and Denard Robinson shared it in 20, 2009. It was Daryl Clark. But anyway, Nathan, it's been a steady decade of this is the expectation level, that this is how it is. And so we're not saying it won't be that way in 2023. Certainly possible that the first team all Big Ten quarterback in 2023 is Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. Maybe maybe greater than 50%, even in a world where J.J. McCarthy was here. We'll get into that more specifically. But that's a long run. And I guess it's not a surprise because they've been the best program and having the best quarterback goes hand in hand with being the best program. But that's still a pretty good run of quarterback play, Nathan. Yeah, and it's also interesting of how it's involved in that time, too, that it isn't, you know, as you're saying, Terrell Pryor, maybe not getting the respect of being an all Big Ten uh, player, but the way that Ohio State staffs the quarterback position has changed since Terrell Pryor as well. And now you have more of an NFL model that you're trying to establish at that position, uh, you know, dating back now from Haskins to Fields to Stroud to whichever of these two guys takes it over next year. So that's been an influence, too, that Ohio State was sort of leading the way in establishing that kind of player at quarterback and having it year in and year out. And again, now we're seeing, does the rest of the Big Ten, can the rest of the Big Ten pivot, or at least the other um, nationally aspirational Big Ten programs, can they pivot and get their version of that and install it? And Michigan and Penn State have both tried to do that now and not just by going to the portal but by actually recruiting those guys and developing them and having them for a multi-year situation which is i would argue still the most uh beneficial situation like that's what you want um if you can get it um and and that i understand what you're saying as far as those west programs especially why they have to take their shot in the portal but what penn state and michigan are, are maybe doing maybe able to do a quarterback we've already seen a payoff for michigan and now penn state's going to take its shot can it have a guy in place for multiple years who takes command of that position so steven i think you noted that we may have had this exact discussion or a similar discussion to this before the 2021 season when cj Stroud was coming in as a new quarterback taking over for justin fields hey could we be entering a world where in this coming season, Ohio State does not have the best quarterback in the Big Ten? And then the answer was no. C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback in the Big Ten. He was in 2021. He was in 2022. Do you think this discussion around Devin Brown and Kyle McCord is the same as that C.J. Stroud discussion? Or do you think it is different in any way? I think the difference this time is we were comparing CJ to a bunch of veterans who were maybe playing better than most people expected. I.e. Michael Penix, those types of guys. We were still in the um, noodle arm world of, you know, what if Graham Mertz is good. This, these, these are what if ah, situations. Those days. Good times. Good times. I think, <laughs> I think now it's kind of the same conversation because the default answer here is probably going to be, oh yeah, how's his quarterback's going to be really good. I mean, look at the weapons he's going to have and the, the guys who are calling the plays. But the difference now is I think the way we view some of these Big Ten quarterbacks is different because it's not so much of a what if. We know J.J. McCarthy's pretty good. What he is as a thrower probably leaves some things to be desired. But as an all-around talent, he's, he's I think he's a five-star talent. He's at least headed in that direction. I think Drew Aller showed flash some things when they finally get when they gave him opportunities last year that let you know that he's going to be pretty good. Plus, Penn State's got some weapons around him. A lot of those weapons in his class actually played last year, so that play should be better. 
we're not comparing a top 100 recruit at Ohio State with all the weapons in the world to a bunch of what ifs. We're comparing a potential, if Kyle McCoy wins his job, a five-star quarterback to other five-star quarterbacks, one of which was rated higher in his own recruiting class. So it, it's a little bit of a different conversation because you can make real cases for those two. Now, the other guys, it's it's what it is, but with Drew Aller and, and J.J. McCarthy, especially since they're on the schedule, you can make a real case that we get to November and we say one of those two is better than what Ohio State's putting out there. Yeah, I think that's right. That, yeah, the difference is not necessarily what's happening at Ohio State, but the context and the rest of the league could make it different. All right, let's do the West real quick. West expected starting quarterbacks in 2023. We'll start at Purdue, where they got Nathan, the guy who, according to the 247 list of best quarterbacks in the portal, and I don't exactly know how they determined that, but Hudson Card from Texas was their number three guy, and he picked Purdue. Ryan Walters, the new head coach there. That's a big, you know, Aiden O'Connell the last two years has been the second team all Big Ten quarterback behind C.J. Stroud. He's been a very good player for them. He's the primary reason that they made the Big Ten championship game this year. That's a pretty good fix, Nathan. Like, to me, this is how should mid-tier who want to be upper-tier Big Ten teams operate at the quarterback position? I think Purdue's doing it right to get Hudson Card there. It's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what... Getting a guy from a power five potential power like that, I think this is the best way because sometimes it's guys who just wash out. I don't think Hudson Card really washed out. I think he, you know, they're enamored with Quinn Ewers. They've got other guys coming in on top of that. He doesn't see a future there. So, right. Yeah. So it, so it's, it's, it, it makes sense for him to leave. Uh, and you look at his numbers last year, he completed about 70% of his passes and had a six to one touchdown interception ratio over a hundred attempts. Like, so if, if common court had numbers like that, which I guess he maybe even roughly does on, to, in a prorated way, you know what I'm saying? Like, we'd be looking at like, oh, that was like a pretty good experience to then now take over as the starter, you know? Um, and he's even, he's got a little bit of, of running ability. If he not, not, uh, certainly not the extent of a uh, fields or anybody, but uh, somebody who can, you can, is capable with his legs a little bit. So, uh, but more, I think just to the point that when you can get a guy with the experience of having been, uh, in some of the games that a guy like this has been in, um, it's beneficial. Like he's been on the field against Alabama. He's been on the field against, you know, uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia, teams like that. Like you're not just getting a guy. Uh, it's not like you're getting a, a, a guy from the Mac or you're getting a guy who um, had, 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 had is leaving without ever even getting his shot at a place like Texas. At least he's seasoned a little bit. In 2021 season, Texas had two quarterbacks, Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, and they're both in the Big Ten right now. Mm-hmm. And what happened is Texas got back-to-back number one recruits in the country in Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. And it's like, all right, well, what's happening here? Now, Casey Thompson was the starting quarterback at Nebraska last year. It wasn't great. It was fine. Hudson Card, I think, has a little upside there. And so for, to get the number three guy in the portal is is how this should operate. So that's going to be the guy who's going to start at Purdue next year, and there's there's kind of no doubt about that. The next guy, the number eight guy in the portal among quarterbacks, according to 247 Sports, is Luke Altmeyer, who actually fits more of what you said. At least they're not getting a guy who never played. Luke Altmeyer never really played at Old Miss. He, a couple years ago when Matt Corral got hurt, he played in the bowl game, but then he lost the job to Jackson Dart, who was a USC transfer. But he was a pretty big-time recruit when he came in there. He's going to Illinois. He almost certainly 
will be the guy there because Tommy DeVito had been the starting quarterback at Illinois. He himself was a transfer from Syracuse. He had played at Syracuse, so he had more experience. And that worked out pretty well, Stephen. Again, I think if Bielema, I think Bielema should be dancing in the portal. I just don't mm-hmm. think that Illinois, until Illinois is great, they're never going to get a guy in high school recruiting, I think was as much natural talent as a guy like this. Because Luke Altmeyer out of high school would, would not have picked Illinois, Stephen. And now, yeah, he didn't play a ton, but this is like a, this is like a real dude, Stephen. I think I think Bielema is doing exactly right. But even when Illinois is good, they're good is going to be what eight and four, nine and three, make a Big Ten championship. It's still not going to be in the world of getting top one hundred quarterbacks. So yes, this is Illinois is a perfect team for who should be doing this. Like every other year, they should be going getting a guy where we're hitting the transfer portal. This guy can be a two year starter for us, and then we'll go hit it again. Meanwhile, yes, you try to you recruit a quarterback and try to develop him as well, but more than likely, you know that your option is going to come from the portal when it comes to game day. Altmaier in high school committed to Florida State at one point and then decommitted uh, before he wound up at Old Miss. He had an Alabama offer in high school. So, like, this is, this is good. So that's going to be two new starting quarterbacks in the Big Ten West for the two teams, by the way, that were, like, the two best teams in the West this year. One won the West and one looked like it was going to win the West most of the year. So they got Hudson Card and Luke Altmaier. Um, the next guy up would be Tanner Mordecai, Nathan. And Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle is going after it, man. And I think this is fascinating, Nathan. And again, we can spend a lot of time on this this offseason. This is, I think Luke wants to mesh the best of the old Wisconsin offense with an absolutely new invigorated passing game. I don't think he's going to give up on big old offensive linemen. I don't think he's going to give up on big old running backs. But they want to throw it better maybe than Wisconsin has ever thrown it, other than the Russell Wilson one year. And to go get a guy like this is a big deal. They also got Nick Evers from Oklahoma, and they got one other guy. They got three transfer quarterbacks, and they're going to let them fight it out. Nick Evers at Oklahoma was also one of the top 20 guys in the the quarterback portal, according to 247 Sports. But Mordecai is a big deal here. And we we – I put things on Graham Mertz just based on, hey, Ohio State offered about high school. It seemed like he had more talent than most Wisconsin. He never showed it in college. Tanner Mordecai has actually shown it in college, a two-year starter at SMU. I think he was at Oklahoma before then. Is that where he transferred from? Anyway, this is a big get. I'm fascinated what the Luke Fickle version, Nathan, of Wisconsin is going to look like, and this guy's going to be a big part of starting it. Well, they, as we've talked many times, like they, they just had to elevate the quarterback position. Like I don't think you were ever going to take Wisconsin up a level, um, changing out the head coach, but expecting things to just operate the same way. I don't think it was going to get where Wisconsin wanted to go. They still got to find a way to elevate this position. Graham Mertz was 63rd nationally this year in uh, QB rating. Just very pedestrian, frankly. That high. Very middle of the fact. That high. I'm surprised. Yeah. Actually, he was actually one. He's actually one spot ahead of DJ Uya lately, <laughs> who was 64th. So, uh, you know, he was actually Who's another guy? I was hoping – I was I was hoping DJ would end, wind up in the Big Ten. Like, I would have loved that reclamation project of, like, PJ Fleck or Mel Tucker or somebody like that. He's going to Oregon State. Oregon State was, like, an excellent team this year. I think they won 10 games, and they're going to have DJ now. But, yeah, DJ didn't work out, but I think I still think there's something there. I wish he would have wound up in the Big Ten. Anyway, but anyway, Graham wasn't it, as you were saying, Nathan. 
No, and Mertz was actually better than Quinn Ewers and Aiden O'Connell, who were even farther down the list, so to bring up other people we've already mentioned. But the point stands, like this just seemed like an obvious example of a, like a change of scenery was probably needed, both for him, like, you know, it clearly just hadn't worked. Like there were multiple chances at it. And I thought the Ohio State game was just another version of it. Like a guy who really lit up bad teams. And whenever he got on the field against a good team, it looked, like I said, pretty pedestrian. So, you know, best of luck to him, to, I guess, making things over. But I, I think that Fickle bringing in, you know, kind of his own guy and getting a fresh start at that position, um, and probably even more importantly, who do you get on staff at that position? Because that was the other thing at Wisconsin, that it, it seemed like there was talent there at times and it was just never getting developed. And Mertz was the poster boy for that. I'm really interested yeah, to see how Wisconsin in that quarterback position develops, especially from a recruiting standpoint. They got to commit. 2024 already and he, he's a fickle commit because he's he committed in december he's like he's a four-star kid top 300 kid out of texas so at least they're shooting their shot all over the map right now i'm wondering if fickle gets that rolling and gets a couple 10 win seasons together can they maybe i, I do think right now they have to just live in the portal because it's a new head coach and they're transitioning that's kind of what happens but i do wonder if in the next couple of cycles here if he puts a couple 10 win seasons together if he can maybe take his shot at some of these higher rated quarterbacks because they do offer him it's just because, I mean, it's Wisconsin. They don't really throw the ball there, and they're not very good at it. They don't ever really get in the mix. But I do wonder if they can really start to get in the mix there if Fickle does add that passing element to Wisconsin's offense. Yeah, I mean, this Phil Longo hire, it, this, it's clear that's what Luke wants to do. He, he was a former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Ole Miss in North Carolina. Like, it's a it's a big deal. That's part of that. That offensive style of what they want to do makes it very clear where Wisconsin wants to head. Uh, next guy up is Jeff Sims, which is going to be interesting. He's the number 10 guy in the portal, starting quarterback at Georgia Tech this year. He's transferring to Nebraska, where they already have Casey Thompson, who's the former Texas transfer who started this past season. He's still there, and I think Jeff Sims and Casey Thompson are going to have a quarterback battle. And I do just think over time, Matt Rule is going to elevate the quarterback position at Nebraska. I think they'll start getting dudes. But I do think you know either Casey Thompson maybe will be better or Jeff Sims will prove he's better. That's an interesting mix there. But I want to get to the next guy, and it's Cade McNamara. Led Michigan, not led, was part of Michigan making the playoff last year. Got beaten out by J.J. McCarthy this year. Left Michigan and goes right to Iowa. And it's it's certainly going to be better than what the quarterback play was this past year with Spencer Petras and Alex Padilla. Now, of course, if Brian Ferentz is still calling the plays, how good can it be? But Cade McNamara, that's an, that's an interesting name. I mean, he's proven to be a solid, Nathan, I don't, you know, solid winning quarterback. How many? He's gonna be the, he's gonna be the only the only quarter. I mean, there's gonna be two quarterbacks in the Big Ten next year who have played in the playoff. It's Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy. So that I thought was a good get for Iowa. I'll be curious to see how that works out. But again, that's at least Iowa's being proactive there, and he went there quick. The minute he got on the portal, Iowa must have been on him because I think he committed like the next day. Well, my God, just imagine where Iowa could have been this year with Cade McNamara at quarterback. Like, I think he would have been much more stable. Now, the thing is, and- Brian, Brian Ferentz would still be the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, so he's you still, can't overcome the system. Stand, but, but what if, I'm just saying, if Cade McNamara had transferred in last season, then he would have already been who he is, and 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 Brian Ferentz wouldn't have been able to have ruined him, I don't think, by that point. Uh, I just think it would have been a, a more capable guy, a guy who didn't look so rattled out there at times. And the defense 
speaks for itself what Iowa did last year. That's what was the the, the true extent of that malpractice was that you <clears throat> had developed half of that program to the extent that it was national caliber. I think they beat Kentucky 21 to nothing in their bowl game. Like the defense was legitimate. It's just that you were just so limp and 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 useless on offense half the time. So uh, credit them for, for, I guess, seizing this opportunity. But it's also a short-term fix. Like they've still got to find something long-term there to to get the momentum going back in that direction. Because as we've talked about, this is the this is their last shot that this where this works, where you could maybe be an eight and four team and come out of the West and get to Indianapolis and and that's what you build your season around. Like pretty soon when they go no divisions here, uh, if that's still where they're headed, then uh, you become an afterthought pretty quickly with those kinds of seasons. All right, so that's five of the seven teams in the West. Four of them at least will definitely have. Well, they're all going to have transfer starters. Five of those seven. Cade McNamara at Iowa definitely will start. Hudson Card at Purdue will start. Tanner Mordecai at SMU or one of those other guys, all transfers will start. Luke Altmyer at Illinois will start. And then at Nebraska, will either be Casey Thompson, who is this year's starter after transferring from Texas previously, or Jeff Sims, a new transfer from Georgia Tech. Five of the seven will have transfer starting quarterbacks. Northwestern, I don't know if they're going to have a quarterback. They might just not play with a quarterback. I don't know what they're going to do. Okay. Ryan Helinski is still on the on the roster. He was he was not it. Brendan Sullivan then took over for him. I, I'm surprised they have not brought in a transfer quarterback already. Like they desperately need one. I have no idea what Northwestern is going to do. And then the, Minnesota, I I guess this Ethan Kaliakmanis guy, who was in the class of 2021, was a 349 national recruit. Started some this year. Tanner Morgan, who played for five, threw the ball, like was involved in the offense for five years at Minnesota. He's finally done, but he's been around forever. But Kaliak Manis was part of the deal this year. I guess he's the leader to be the starting quarterback full-time in 2023. So that's five of the seven teams in the West. I don't know, Stephen. Maybe not sure things, but I think there's like a better depth of possibility than we typically see out of the West division with the names that we just said, Steven, I don't know. Like, again, there's at least some hope maybe at the quarterback position. That's a nice way to put it. Um, it's when we, when we had that discussion about transfer quarterback, I mentioned this earlier, we put it around Northwestern and they're doing it now. They're just not doing a great job of finding Talented quarterbacks. I, I don't. I don't really have. A, I, I would expect them to just be running the ball again next year, and it'd be some. It'll look a lot similar to what we saw this past year. That that's a. If we're gonna rank the Big Ten quarterback rooms, that's probably dead last. Yeah. No. It's. I think it's definitely dead last. Uh, okay. Quick break. We'll come back. Talk about the quarterbacks in the East, and then in the end, where does Ohio State fit into all of this? Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan and Stephen Beck. Six one four three five zero. 3315 if you want to be a tech subscriber. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. At the moment, I think no transfers in the East. So the big question at the moment is whether Talia Tonga-Vailoa is going to stay at Maryland or go. And it felt like he, near the end of the season, was saying, I have a decision to make. And I I do not think, Nathan, he has yet made it. I don't know exactly what Maryland's going to do if he leaves. But also, I'm a. I think we're sort of at the point with Talia. It's like it's always sort of like, what if this? Like he's fine, he's good. 
they had a good year this year. They were a solid team. I don't know that, you know, he's probably the sixth best quarterback in the Big Ten, which is great for Maryland. And they might be in more trouble if I'm sure Bloxley will wind up with somebody in the portal if he does they, go. They, I think they did get somebody, uh, Brett Gabbard. Who'd they get? Brett Gabbard. He transferred from. Oh, never mind. Nope, that's not Maryland. That's Miami. Never mind. Nope. So I don't know. I mean, I like. I'm not like waiting with bated breath, Nathan, to see if if Tongvailo is back or not. But it matters for Maryland if he's if he is, then they know they have a solid veteran quarterback, right? Absolutely, they know they do. And I thought he started to to take a little bit of a step forward this past year. Um, he was another guy that it would the the discrepancy between when he would play a good team and when he play a bad team was pretty stark. You know, he I thought made some steps towards I think being someone you had to respect more, and it, and it showed up in the Ohio State game. That was also maybe an indication of where Ohio State's defense really was at that time. His season also got thrown off a little bit late with injury. He had missed a couple games, and and things really took a turn. And then he, the Ohio State game was a little bit of his chance to reclaim some of that. So if he can go into next year healthy and, and build on that for another season, um, again, just one more one more t- guy that Ohio State has to respect. And that there have been certainly been many years where you could go down a schedule and not really have to respect those any quarterback on it very much, maybe one or two. And now you're starting to push towards more than half of this schedule of guys who you plausibly think are, are going to be on an NFL roster someday. Yeah. So he's, we know who he is and, and it would be good for the big 10 and good for Maryland if he's back Rutgers, I guess it's going to be Gavin Wimsat, Steven, which was when he got there, he was like the, you know, the mini version of Quinn Ewers. He was an early enrolled, High school kid, he's a borderline top 200 national recruit for Rutgers, which is a big deal. He was the number 205 player in the class of 2021. Played this year, like wasn't great, but he's still young. As far for Rutgers, Stephen, right? I mean, like that's this is what they have to hope for. Mm-hmm. But what he's shown so far, it, he's still a young guy working through it. Yeah, I thought he was he was pretty good against Michigan State. Uh, almost over 200 passing yards, two touchdowns in that game. Obviously, he dealt with some injuries too. Their entire quarterback room was dealing with injuries. They had guys in and out all year. But if he settles in with that job and he's closer to what he was against Michigan State, I mean, they're not going to compete with Ohio State. But I do think it makes games against, you know, whoever their West opponents are and Maryland kind of interesting. So Indiana, it's probably Dexter Williams who played some this past year, went in for Connor Basilak, but then he got hurt at the end of the year, and I think it's a significant injury, and they don't know if he's going to be back. I think people expect that Indiana might go into the portal for a quarterback, but they haven't yet. I don't know what's going to happen with Indiana. It's very much up in the air. They also happen to be the, the, the team that Ohio State is going to open with in 2023. And then Michigan State, Noah Kim, they're losing Peyton Thorne, who I thought might be really good this year, wasn't. Noah Kim was their backup this year. They had this guy, is it Caton or Catton? Caton Hauser. He was the number 215 overall player, the number 14 quarterback in the class of 2022. So a true freshman, maybe as a sophomore in 2023, he'll compete for that job. But at the moment, like no portal guy there. It's in-house, sort of a little bit of an older guy and a younger guy on the rise who will be battling for that job. So that's the four other teams in the East, and that leaves us J.J. McCarthy at Michigan and Drew Aller at Penn State. And Nathan, as you said, this is three teams in the East that might be starting five-star quarterbacks in 2023 with Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, and that is a new world. And we may as well lump them together, but the possible jump 
that J.J. McCarthy could make in year two as a starter and what Drew Aller might be ready to be is unusual territory, I think. We have never... I don't think we've had a pair of quarterback prospects outside of Ohio State in the Big Ten like Aller and McCarthy, at least I think in my time covering this team, when you had two guys that you thought, man, they they could be something. These are Ohio State quality quarterbacks. It doesn't mean they'll be developed and have the skill guys around him and reach the peak that maybe Ohio State quarterbacks reach. Either of these two guys, if you put them in scarlet and gray, be like, yeah, no, okay. This is what Ohio State's used to, and that's great for the Big Ten. No, it's tremendous for the Big Ten. It's something the Big Ten has desperately needed for ever, like <laughs> since it was founded, or I don't know how long. It's at least certainly since the modern era of quarterback play has come around. It's been a, a missing component of, of the Big Ten. And it's one of the reasons why the Big Ten, it, by, by some factions, isn't as respected. So this can be something that the, the Big Ten sort of stakes a claim with, I think, nationally. That, you know, the, the, if it starts to become an incubator for this kind of quarterback talent, if these guys can go on and succeed, uh, that can have repercussions as we're getting into a a, a new era of, of college football a little bit here with the expanded um, the expansion of, of the playoff and stretching the to the West Coast and everything. And that's the other thing to remember here too is like we're talking about 2023, but what comes in behind this in 2024 from USC and UCLA kicks all of this up another notch. Stephen, is it? It's not too much to say that these are Ohio State quality quarterbacks, is it? Or is that is that too far? No, no, no. These are. I mean, they were offered and recruited. One of them just with one Ohio State just chose Mark Kyle McCord over JJ McCarthy when it was time for them to make decisions, and the other one Ohio State came back around after the Drew, the, the Quinn Ewers situation happened, tried to flip him from Penn State. We we talk about this at other positions when we're breaking down games. Is you know how many guys are there on the opposite team that could be playing for Ohio State, and then how could they impact the game? They always do that. I don't, we're, we rarely, if ever, have said that at quarterback, and now we have that situation where very easily right now. Drew Aller or J.J. McCarthy could be Ohio State starting quarterback heading into the season if, the, if some other things have worked out differently. And it's not, I mean, recruiting rankings aren't everything, but according to the 247 Sports Composite in the class of 2021, Kyle McCord was the number 28 overall player. J.J. McCarthy was the number 25 overall player. In the class of 22, Devin Brown was the number 43 overall player. Drew Aller was the number 32 overall player. So they are both, McCarthy's ranked ahead of McCord, Aller's ranked ahead of Devin Brown. The interesting thing here, and we've had these conversations, Nathan, is Michigan and Penn State, these guys have to be the guy. They have to be the guy. McCarthy has proven that he is. It's not. I don't think anybody thinks that J.J. McCarthy is going to backslide and be like, oh my gosh, okay, can they bench him? Who can Michigan go to instead? But Aller has to be the guy at Penn State, and every expectation is. The thing at Ohio State is, they have both, and they're going to pick the best one, which is which is still different than, oh, Michigan has one, and Penn State has one, and Ohio State has two, and they're going to let them go head-to-head, and they're going to pick the best one. But I think the point we're making is the natural talent that they showed in high school is similar. And so this is an interesting test, Nathan, of development. Because I don't think if Drew Aller or J.J. McCarthy are much worse than the Ohio State guys, or they're much better than the Ohio State guys, I don't know that you could fall back and say, ah, it was a misdiagnosis. Ah, they were ranked too high. I think it would be who 
more effectively develops these four very talented quarterbacks to become productive, high-level, winning college quarterbacks. And for the first time, Penn State and Michigan are in that fight with Ohio State. We've seen it with Ohio State, Nathan, right? But we and, and we're seeing it with Michigan. We haven't really seen it a high level guy develop like this at Penn State yet. We'll see if what Mike Yurcich and James Franklin can do. But it's I like that it's on, man. I like that it's on. Yeah, and as much as it's a very fair question as to which single team, which single quarterback will emerge as the best, is there any question that Ohio State still has the best quarterback situation top to bottom? Like that I don't think changes. Like the Everybody in the Big Ten would probably, you know, sure, they're going to pick their own guy, but like, you know, blind resumes, who are you picking? Like, which which quarterback stack are you picking? Like Lincoln Keenholz is coming in th- this summer for Ohio State, still a four-star top 200 guy. Like, that is still a level above what a lot of these Big Ten programs, like, ever recruit. Like, the number 13 quarterback in the country, 14 quarterback in the country, whatever he was. I guess he was actually 205 in the composite, but that's still, that's still a better quarterback than a lot of these Big Ten teams ever think about recruiting out of high school and some of them can't even get that kind of guy in the portal so and that's gonna be your like by far your third guy so this is still what ohio state has done um is is still the the best overall approach and still the best overall roster of quarterback talent that that anybody in the big 10 has put together i do think though that it's what what happens at the very top of that and what that means as far as the head-to-head repercussions is going to be big like you know can LR be so good in his first year that that's what pushes Penn State over the top in what is traditionally a close game you know can McCarthy um, if the game doesn't play out quite the way it did this last time if 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 Michigan has to throw to win the game instead of using it as a kind of element of surprise you know does he execute there and, and, and beat Ohio State again like there's a lot of drama that goes into the season that is really riding on the backs of, of these quarterbacks that, that's before you even start talking about like whether you know whoever wins the job for Ohio State do they execute at a level that keeps up with the, the, the skill talent around them I do think it's interesting that while yes I, I understand you know McCarthy's done it now he's been on the field he beat he won at Ohio Stadium like that you get some cachet for that like that you earned that and Aller, I think, you know, was already the guy on deck this past season at Penn State in a way that McCord wasn't because there were questions about Clifford and whether someone like Aller could come in and just take that job from him even as early as last year. So I think that's why they seem to be a little bit out in front in terms of notice or whatever right now. But McCord's getting forgotten a, a little bit here as a, as a five-star guy who proved some things himself and it, it built his own reputation in high school. And maybe that's something that fuels him a little bit coming into this season that he is getting a little bit overlooked and uh, he'll have that, that chip on his shoulder or whatever to, to, to help try to win this battle with. I think it's a combination of one. He's older than Drew. Drew's more like on schedule, I guess, as a second year guy ready to take over a job. But then also I do think that Akron game is a little bit of an asterisk on Kyle McCord and how people view him now. And we do forget he was a five-star quarterback, you know, top 50 player in the country. But because he didn't look all that great in a game basically two years ago now when he was filling in for somebody, I think it's kind of tainted a little bit of how of what our expectations are for Kyle McCord. When quite frankly, his expectation should be he comes in and does no different than what CJ and what Justin Fields were doing as far as being high-level quarterback, Heisman-level player. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right. It affects me. I mean, like fair or not, even if it's subconscious, even if you tell yourself, ah, 
was forever ago. I mean, it was in tough spot or whatever, you know, it, it, it probably is in the back of people's heads a little bit. And it is one of those. Yeah. I mean, you think about like JJ McCarthy and Kyle McCord, are the same class, JJ mm-hmm. McCarthy just started for a playoff team. Kyle McCord's barely played, right? Devin Brown and Drew Aller are the same class. Drew Aller, people are like, I don't know. Like, I mean, again, me included is like, I don't know. Maybe they should bench Sean Clifford right now and play Drew Aller. Devin Brown was like the clear number three this year. Nobody was saying like, ah. Oh. So, I mean, they are, they're behind, quote, behind their peers in their recruiting class because they're at a school with better quarterbacks. So you get stacked up. And so it can feel like, you can be like, I don't know, is Kyle McCord as good as J.J. McCarthy? And it's and, and then it's like, well, are you asking, are you doubting it because he's at a better quarterback school? Mm-hmm. And so he had a Heisman finalist ahead of him, and J.J. McCarthy had a guy ahead of him that he dispatched and sent off to Iowa? Like, that means Kyle McCord's not as good as J.J. McCarthy? And Devin Brown, are we questioning if he's not as good as Drew Aller because Drew Aller is – the savior of Penn State football because they've never had a quarterback like Drew Aller and Devin Brown, Ohio State always has a quarterback like Devin Brown. But then it's like, I don't know, is Devin Brown as good as Drew Aller? It's the circumstance, right? But now we're going to find out on the field, which is awesome. But again, the idea that at least, at least other schools are trying. Thank you for trying, but let's, so let's do this. The, The McCarthy thing is real because that experience absolutely matters, right? And this guy did do some stuff in big games. They have to let him go more. Like I, I would imagine they will, Nathan. And the Jim Harbaugh things hang hangs over all of this. They're also, I do, I think Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss as the co-coordinators at Michigan did an excellent job running that offense this year. Matt Weiss is the quarterback guy among those. There's a guy, there's an analytics guy that I follow on Twitter for the NFL who is like, hey, if there's an NFL team that needs like an offensive mind, I have the guy for you. And it's Matt Weiss. Like he loves Matt Weiss as the quarterback's guy at Michigan. So maybe, maybe this is a guy who can bring out the best in JJ McCarthy. We're not betting anything. Betting is legal in Ohio. You can't make this bet. We wouldn't make the bet anyway. But as we sit here right now, Nathan, if you had to say, here's who I think will be the first team all Big Ten quarterback in 2023, is it JJ McCarthy? Is it Drew Aller? Is it one of these veteran guys in the West who's played a lot? Tanner Mordecai, Hudson Card, a guy like that? Or is it like, duh, it's the winner of the Ohio State quarterback battle, you dingles. It's the school that's done it for 10 straight years that is recruiting at a very high level and that has guys stacked up like they always do. Why would you doubt the Ohio State guys just because you haven't seen it? There's a history here. You have to go with the Ohio State guy. How would you view it right this second? And there's no wrong answer. I'm not going to yell at anybody because I don't know. But it is hard to ignore the fact that J.J. McCarthy just played a full year and made the playoff, man. He made the playoff, even though they kind of had him in with one arm tied behind his back with a running game for the first 11 games of the year. Well, and that's that's a big part of it. I, I think the answer is I would probably vote or, or, or bet on Kyle McCord right now just because what's going to be the most prolific passing offense in the Big Ten? It's still going to be Ohio State. Like, and they're going to be one of the most prolific passing offenses in the country. He's got Marvin Harrison Jr. He's got Emeka Ibuka. He's got Julian Fleming. And hopefully he'll have an offensive line in front of him at the end of the day. <laughs> I, I think that's what this is going to come down to. I mean, that's a lot of these – I'm not trying to be, you know – 
completely um, jaded about this, but like the, the counting stats will matter. And I still would put my money on Comacord or whoever wins the job ending up with the most, the best counting stats of any team in the, any quarterback in the big 10, maybe by a significant margin. Part of me might put JJ McCarthy third on that list, just because of the counting stats thing. Blake Corm. I mean, he's probably one of the best, might be the best returning running back in the country. Donovan Edwards is a really good running back, and they're going to lean on those two a lot. And Michigan's receivers aren't their bread and butter there. So his counting stats might not look the same. While Drew Allard, they've got some some decent receivers at Penn State for him to throw to. They've got a two-man running back system too, but they've also got some receivers. They might just throw it a little bit more. But then also, I agree with Nathan, it's probably just going to be a Stage quarterback, especially if it's Kyle McCord, because – the best returning receiver in the country, Kyle McCord's been playing with him since the eighth grade. So there's already built-in chemistry of with those two together. So, like, you throw that, and then you add in the Mecca, Buka, and, and Julian Fleming and Cade Stover on top of that, plus how this offense works. The counting stats are going to be in Ohio State's quarterback's favor. So I, I think we, I've made this point over time, that there have been lots of times when, like, Ohio State kind of, like, picked the wrong quarterback, and then it worked out. And it was okay, but they've had some complicated quarterback situations, which is sometimes the price you pay for having more than one option at quarterback. But I think the last time it actually had an effect on the team where you picked the wrong guy and the result was you lost games. You lost multiple games because of it was 2004 when they did lose like three straight games with Justin Zwick and then like they, they got to Troy by the end of the year and then Troy went nuts in the Michigan game. And it's like, Oh, but in the process of that, Justin Zwick was a higher rated guy. And that I said, was like the last time they had a reset year. Part of the reason they had a reset year is because they had two quarterbacks. They went with the obvious guy who was the higher rated guy coming out of high school. It was like, this is not right. You go back. I'm like looking at some of the, it's, I mean, it's remarkable to think about with the, with the world that we're living in now, Justin Zwick, Against Northwestern in a loss in 2004, 18 of 38, 47% completions for 211. Against Wisconsin in a loss the next week, 15 of 31, 48% completions for 125. A loss to Iowa the next week, 6 of 14, 43% completions for 74 yards. And that's what helped get them to Troy then, right? And so... We don't know Troy came in and that game was 8 of 12. So, like, we don't know. We haven't seen that. Like, they goofed up 2015, but it was kind of with two veteran guys. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But, like, Steven, you know what I'm saying? Like, the idea of, like, they have a quarterback competition. Even, like, TCU this year. TCU, Max Duggan was the longtime starter. Sonny Dykes comes in. They have a competition. They pick Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris wins. He gets hurt. Then they go to Max Duggan. It's like, they were wrong. Right, mm-hmm. they were wrong, and they got lucky because yeah. an injury made them right. The idea that the Ohio State has a quarterback competition, they they pick the first guy, and then like, I don't know, I can't even imagine this. But like, they lose to Notre Dame and Maryland, and they're three and two because like the quarterback play is not good enough, and then they have to get to the other guy, and it's like, oh. You just like you made the wrong decision. We haven't seen that at Ohio State in forever, but we have seen it enough around college football. Again, Kate McNamara started the first game for Michigan this past year. I think Harbaugh knew where he was going to get, but
but he had a public battle. McNamara started game one. McCarthy started game two. Then they decided. Ohio State's not immune, right? It, it, nobody's perfect. And so that would be such a shock to the system. It is not what I'm expecting. But it would be fascinating. It is sometimes what can happen when you have two options, right? And so Ohio State has two options. But also, Drew Aller, they're going to give it to Drew Aller. He could tank as a first-year starter and be like, this is very difficult. And they didn't develop him well enough. And you see all the talent, but Penn State goes 7-5 and five because it's a young guy making mistakes, right? That's certainly – that's more on the table than an Ohio State problem is on the table. But Ryan Day always wants another option, Stephen, if it goes wrong. Because it's like, oh, if it doesn't work, I, I would imagine – if it quote if something quote goes wrong, it will reveal itself in the battle in the spring and in August, and yeah. then that guy will just not win the job, and then the other it's like it's the other guy. I, I would be shocked if it's they pick the wrong guy. But once upon a time in two thousand four, it happened, and it it's just possible that it it, it can happen to anybody. Yeah, and uh, sometimes you do pick the wrong guy. Not every five star quarterback works out. That's I mean. There's a long history of five-star quarterbacks who didn't end up being five-star talents, which is why we, Ryan Day goes, what if you're wrong? It's why we want multiple guys. I think the bigger question is, and we, we were kind of having a similar situation like this in 2021 when CJ started kind of slow. There is there is going to be a – there's always a development, you know, mm. growing pains that you go through. Now, does Kyle McCord have those same growing pains as a, the third-year guy in the program, or is it similar to the Dwayne Haskins where he's just out the gate – fine because he's already kind of a veteran in the system and whatnot but if it's anytime you have a new quarterback there's going to be some level of growing pains the question is how bad are the growing pains do they cost you a game and how long do you let the growing pains be classified as growing pains because if you get to week nine and he's still having growing pains you probably should pull him but if it's week three and he's having growing pains like dude you got to deal with that and let him like figure it out out there and that, that's what makes it hard is there's no like right time to pull a kid because you don't really know whether it's growing pains versus this is what the kid is, regardless of how many reps you've given him in practice. And so sometimes it just, as you saw in 2004, we've seen it at other places where 2015, sometimes those growing pains end up being more than that. But because you pick it too late, you end up ruining your season. I will say, Nathan, I think this is Gene Smith had said this, that he didn't love that the Notre Dame game was the opener last year. He would prefer Ohio State not open with a team like that. 2023, the fact that Notre Dame is week four, I think is significantly better for Ohio State because we did see, you know, Ohio State loses to Oregon in week two in part. I mean, there it's not like C.J. Stroud didn't lose them that, that game, but. What is it? Is a road Big Ten game any different? I understand it's Indiana, but like it's, it's like CJ didn't look good in the road Big Ten game either. No, but but, start but Minnesota was, wasn't going to beat them. I'm saying Notre Dame with Sam Hartman can beat you. Oh, it's not yeah, about how. Fair. It's that you expect. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect growing pains in the first couple games. And so, but CJ starts at Minnesota, has a rough first half, is better in the second half. But Minnesota, even at home, is not ready to beat Ohio State there, even we were, even though we were kind of on alert for it. And then Oregon was ready to do it. By the way, talking about guys that you didn't know were NFL quarterbacks, Anthony Brown in that Oregon game was like, I don't know, I guess he's okay. He played, he played pretty well against Ohio State, and now he's like starting for the Ravens because they were down to their third string quarterback. And it's like, oh, it's the Oregon guy. So anyway. I think the idea that the Notre Dame game, Nathan, is week four is much better than if it was week two because Notre Dame, which is why we're having this discussion, they're not going to have – Sam Hartman's not going to have growing pains. 
Like the peak of Sam Hartman, is it better than the peak of Devin Brown or Kyle McCord? Quite possibly no. But is early season 2023 Sam Hartman going to be better than the Ohio State quarterback early in the 2023 season? I think it's quite possible. But the fact that it's going to be week four instead of week one, I think could be enough to make a, a substantial difference because maybe by week four, the new Ohio State quarterbacks going to be like, yeah, week one and two were a little rough, but I got this now. I think that's fair. I, but also remember, like, which one is going to be working with the the better array of talent around him, too? Like, that's going to that's going to be a huge advantage for whoever wins this job. You know, Kyle McCord, again, yeah. you're, you've got multiple All-Americans that you're throwing to. You've got a guy in the backfield, mm-hmm. um, well, two guys in the backfield, and, and Trevin Henderson and Mayan Williams that I think are going to come into next season with a lot of motivation to put last season behind him and kind of bury that. It's just going to be a... a better offense all around. And I think that whoever wins this job for Ohio State, McCord or Brown, are going to be capable enough to to give that kind of that offense the juice it needs to to keep running. So that that's the other thing here is that someone there's going to be on more is going to be on someone like Hartman to go out and make the plays that beats Ohio State than will be on Tom McCord necessarily or Devin Brown to go out and conjure the plays that beat these other defenses just because they're going to have a lot of help. Yeah, but he's also done it. I mean, like he, he, he like threw six touchdown passes in the game they played against Clemson when they went into overtime and he and DJ were going head to head. So that's the thing. It's like you are going to be running into a guy who's been in spots like that before. So let's run through the schedule of what really matters for Ohio State because it's great that Illinois has a transfer quarterback, but like Ohio State doesn't play Illinois. They won't see Luke Altmaier until the Big Ten Championship game if that happens. I have seven of their 12 opponents should, could, probably will have competent to potentially quite good quarterback play, which again, seven out of 12 Ohio State opponents having that, that's pretty high. That is not the norm necessarily. So they open with Indiana. I guess it's it's Dexter Williams if he's healthy. I don't I don't count that as good quarterback play. Youngstown State in week two. Mitch Davidson took over as a starter like a third of the way through the season. He should be back next year for Youngstown State as a starter, but I don't count that. Week three, Western Kentucky, Austin Reed. We covered Austin Reed. He's second in the nation in passing yards per game this year. That's one. Week four, Sam Hartman. Wake Forest transfer. That's two. Week five. Actually, it's game five. I think it's a it's a, a bye week in there. Game five, mm-hmm. Tonga Bailoa, if he's back at Maryland. Competent, solid Big Ten quarterback at the very least. Game six, Hudson Card, former Texas quarterback, transfer to Purdue. Game seven, Penn State, Drew Aller, if he's ready as a fresh as a second year guy, first time starter, that could be good quarterback play. Game eight, Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin, the SMU transfer. Game nine, Rutgers, Gavin Wimsat. Again, top 200 national recruit. I'm not counting that. Michigan State, I don't know who's going to win that battle. It could be a top 200 national recruit, but I'm not counting that. Minnesota, uh, the the guy, I, I had to write down the pronunciation. I'm on a different page. Kaliak Manis for Minnesota. That's the game 11. I'm not counting that. And then J.J. McCarthy, I do count that. So that's seven guys. Austin Reed, Sam Hartman, Talia Tonga-Vailoa, Hudson Card, Drew Allard, Tanner Mordecai and JJ McCarthy, Stephen, for an Ohio State schedule, better than usual. Will they be better than Kyle McCord or Devin Brown? Probably not. But more than half the games with real quarterbacks, that's not always the case when you're looking at Ohio State. 
that's rough when you're not really sure how good the secondary is going to be. And you're probably more pessimistic, pessimistic about it than optimistic about it right now. So as things stand, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whichever one wins the job, has to be like on. Because it's it's January, so a lot can change over the next nine months, obviously, as we get to these games. But right now, where I'm at is they're going to have to really throw it, throw it, and throw it. Because if not, their secondary is going to get burned and they might lose you know, 35 to 21 in some of these games. So I don't want to overstate it, Nathan, but sometimes when it comes to the Big Ten, competent quarterback play is so exciting, it's it's hard not to overstate it. <laughs> yeah, we're just so desperate for it. Like we're thirsting for it for a long time, just people who follow this league. And uh we've seen this coming though. Like this isn't a complete shock. The 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 at least what was developing here with with um McCarthy and Alar and and Tagovailoa, like those guys have been coming for a while. It's it, maybe even Wim said if, if he becomes something at, at Rutgers, like those guys have been building. And now it's the the portal has what has complicated this from Ohio State's perspective. I think, and I agree with Stephen that like again, that's what I said earlier. I, this is a this puts more urgency on Jim Knowles to. Uh, figure out things from a personnel standpoint to solidify the secondary. It's on these position coaches to raise a level of play uh, up a notch from where it was last year. And they've also, again, got to figure out that, that, that circular uh, relationship between the pass rush and coverage. It's been okay at times uh, this past season. They know that they have guys up front that should be feared by these quarterbacks and should be, uh, you know, can can get out and harass these guys. But I think you need to see just another level of impact from JT to him out, Jack Sawyer, whoever else, Caden Curry, if he's coming along, Mike Hall, if he can get back in the middle and be healthy, like that's where they could really come out and attack these guys and and change the games against these quarterbacks a little bit. You've got to be able to, to, make them uncomfortable and take them out of their game and not just rely on the secondary. Because I think um, even if the secondary improves, um, that's still asking a lot against this kind of roster of quarterbacks. All right. That'll wrap it up for this Buckeye talk. Uh, Plan is to be back on Friday with rants. And then we have a market down Monday recap plan for you guys on Monday. For now, if you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315, read cleveland.com slash OSU. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.